Before we go to the word this morning, I'm going to ask everyone to join with me in the Lord's Prayer. And I think that this week, my heart has been in travail for the first section of it about relationship and about the kingdom coming and how that we need that. And after this manner, we're supposed to pray. And we relate that, of course, that not just in repetition, but I don't think there's anything wrong with the application of it, just as it's written. Amen? So would you join with me this morning in a petition to him this morning in the Lord's Prayer? And does uh, everybody know it well enough? Okay. So, um, yes, let's pray. Our Father... But art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Everybody give the Lord a clap that this would be a reality and come. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. You know you just prayed the will of God. This is the will of God. This is what he wants to happen. Thank you so much for an excellent job this morning. It's so good to be back, and I know you've had a wonderful time. Uh, my, you know, you, you can't catch up just this morning, but the Lord bless you, and uh, the Lord keep you today. Just before we enter the message, I felt this spirit impress me as we were away. <clears throat> to address those that are suffering from lack of appreciation. I don't know if that means, but I know that everybody needs to be appreciated. All right? But here's what he said. In relationship to you know, suffering from a lack of appreciation. It's not, a, it's not that he ignores that, but he said that the more that you appreciate, the less you'll have a need to be appreciated. The more that you appreciate, the less you'll have a need to be appreciated. And so that it's trying to remove those things that just drain us, that begin to, they, uh, you know, uh, I'm not going to use that word. Uh, anyway, yeah. Uh, they diminish. They diminish our very soulish life 
And you cannot, you, you cannot disconnect your soulish life from your spiritual life. The spiritual life is there to empower you in that soulish life. But, uh, you know, at the same time, if you have such great vacuums, you know, it's going to be, you know, it's, you're putting so much in, but so much is also going out. So I appreciate you. I really do. But I think that I want to be a person that appreciates more. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Father, bless you. We bless the people. Help us today with your your good grace. I want to talk to you this morning, the next few Sundays, really in the relationship to the believer and the believer's assurance. Yes, okay, for sure. Thank you, honey. Uh, Before I start, we missed Jim Leckler, lost his mom. just uh, Wednesday night, I believe, huh? Yeah, okay. And so, uh, in honor of him, we want to acknowledge that tonight, the visitation's at 7 o'clock at the Real Funeral Home in Elmwood. And then the uh, service is tomorrow at 11 o'clock at the Catholic Church in Elmwood, right? Catholic Church. And so, uh, we just pray for your family, pray for you, Jim, you know. I know how dear moms are. Moms are so very, very, very special. And uh, the loss of them leaves a big vacuum, not just in the moment, but in the days that that are are ahead. Yeah, just to walk in and see them. So Father, in this hour, you said that there was a comfort that you wanted to give. You want to give to... Jim and Jean and their family. Uh, They not only lost a mother, their children have lost a grandmother. And so I'm asking that those that have known the comfort in this same situation would be uh, the vehicles of comfort uh, to them in this hour, along with the Holy Spirit in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The Christian life was never meant to be a do-it-yourself project. Personal power has always been futile. There's just not enough of it to be able to manage life and its challenges. It's not there. We can look from places for helps, and books and programs and sometimes even the latest expert. But if we will just do a minimal thing, just invest 10 minutes a day in the presence of the Lord. I'm going to go for an hour. As the disciples, they fall asleep in an hour. But in a 10-minute thing, you're going to tap into 
the power that can help you manage life and the challenges. And so in this message, it's going to discover, I hope, who you are in Christ, what you have in Christ, and who you serve in Christ. A couple passages of scriptures. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, who did not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ has made me free from the law of sin and death. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? We're going to be speaking from the book of Romans, primarily discovering what we have in Christ from Romans chapter 8, with the references that that kind of start in Romans chapter 4 and lead us up to the end of Romans chapter 9. There are five questions the apostle asks in Romans chapter 8. In verse 31, he says, what shall we say to these things? Now, the questions are not written so much for you to answer, but for you and I to discover the assurance that we have in Jesus Christ and through Jesus Christ. What shall we say to these things? And so we must, of course, discover what these things are. The next one is a preface with if God is for us, then... Who can be against us? And number three is found in verse 33, and who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Verse 34 asks us this question, who is he that condemns? And then verse 35, one that we know so well, who shall separate us from the love of God? Five questions that draws our attention to the assurance of the believer to produce a believer's assurance and confidence because we still live in the war zone we need to fortify our assurance that we have in Christ who you are in Christ what you have in Christ and who you serve in Christ. The intent of these scriptures and Paul's writings here is to bring the believer an assurance that becomes their ark. Similar to what Noah had as he sat in the ark, still and quiet in the midst of it all. Destructions and distractions everywhere. 
commotions and confusions. And yet he sits in this ark of quietness and safety, trusting in, of course, the, the ark. Not absence of storms, not by any means. God wants us to live between faith and hope rather than fear and hope. Isaiah 32 says this, the work of righteousness is peace. The effect of righteousness is quietness and assurance forever. I like what Paul wrote to Timothy when he, you know, began to set the stage of what we can believe for. First Timothy chapter two. He says that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. And then he engages us in a specific prayer life. We need assurance when life turns sour. When trouble strikes. Sometimes we forget. We forget our knowledge of God. The promises don't readily run to the forefront of our minds. The history of God all of a sudden seems to be darkened. The miracles of yesterday fade quickly. And the anxiety that the adversity, you know, brings seems to invade our lives. It's in those moments we struggle to recall past answers to our prayers. Specific guidance that God has given us by the Holy Spirit and the lessons that we've learned that might help us right then, but somehow the book doesn't seem to open when only the present seems to be real. Your mind spins out of control, future implications and your troubled emotions all of a sudden become, they inhibit your clear thinking. Bringing every wandering thought into the captivity, the obedience of Christ. It's when our strength is insufficient, our resources are insufficient, and our abilities, they don't meet life's challenges. I don't have an answer to that. But your troubled waters never surprise the Lord. The good news is there's an Almighty that's orchestrating our circumstances for his glory and for our benefit. And so we can rest assured in this. And if you're taking notes, put this down. The work of his, the work his goodness began, the arm of his strength will complete. The work his goodness began, the arm of his strength will complete.
truths that every Christian needs to know. As we answer these questions for the purpose of gathering assurance in our lives. Number one, as a believer, you will never be condemned. Your past sins, your present sins, and your future sins. There is therefore no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. It is true that we were guilty, but now we are declared not guilty. All because of someone else took it. And even in our courts, you cannot be punished for the same crime twice. A not guilty verdict. Because Jesus became guilty for us. How does that stand with you when you begin to increase your insurance and your confidence because you not only have sinned and you are going to sin you are not going to sin just because you know what I mean uh, he's taken it you're going to sin because sanctification has not run its full term in your life. It was John chapter 3, verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but he sent his son into the world to go ahead and that they might be saved. And so in order for their salvation to come, condemnation or judgment has to be rendered a verdict. And it was rendered a verdict in Jesus Christ. And the verdict that Jesus Christ gives to us is that we will never be condemned. There is no future judgment awaiting you. Too good to be true? It's the only thing in life that's too good to be true. John chapter four, 5, verse 24, most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my words and believe in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. When we believe in Jesus Christ, and Paul is talking to believers, we went ahead and allowed him to take our judgment. We've allowed him to take our condemnation on our behalf, by which it said we're not guilty. We're not guilty. Clean record, a clean slate, a new beginning. Not only about our future, but our present. The woman 
that was found committing adultery. And people were accusing her. The first gift that Jesus gave her was the gift of no condemnation. Somebody give the Lord a praise this morning. It was not, you know, go and sin no more. It was, woman, neither do I condemn you. Hallelujah. I don't condemn you, you know, because someone was going to be condemned for that. What a beautiful passage of scripture. Amen. No The power to sin no more is to be able to be guilt-free. Now, we're going to have to work on that in our own conscience and our own thinking, but we've still got to recognize it because the condemner will always show up. The law of spirit of life is released when you receive the gift of no condemnation. For the law of spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. That's not the Ten Commandments. That's that, that fall nature, you know, that you receive through Adam because you are the posterity of him. But when you receive Jesus Christ, there is a trans, not just a transformation, a new birth that takes place, and you take on the new life of our victor, Jesus Christ. And a lot of people will scream about this one, but you will never exhaust the forgiveness of God. His forgiveness is limitless, and his mercy is limitless. Paul is writing to Christians, and I know how so many run with this, a license to sin, but when you realize your debt and your forgiveness, you will not want to be in slavery again. It is not only no condemnation, but there's an emancipation that took place. How the Spirit set us free. There's a new form of government going on. There's a new territory in our lives. So there is therefore no condemnation. There's no judgment awaiting you. But then we also have the remedy for sin. If the spirit of him that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will give you life to your mortal bodies through his spirit which dwells in you. The remedy is not only not guilty, but it's an empowerment. It is the spirit that gives victory over sin. Jesus, by the power of the Spirit, 
went from the womb to the tomb and to the throne. Every activity in his life occurred because of the full power and presence of the Holy Spirit. So the key to victory over sin, the flesh, and the world is what? The Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit that he imparts to us. The ability to say no. Walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. People find themselves defeated. (coughs) Defeated by sin, flesh, and the world. But the key to victory in the new life in Christ is cultivate the life of the Spirit in your life. Feeding it and submitting to it and walking in the Spirit. It's saturating yourself with the Spirit of the Lord. That's why I started out just 10 minutes. 10 minutes. And tap in to that supernatural world of the Holy Spirit. So immerse yourself in the Spirit of God. Get connected to the power source. Try to run on your own engines. Let the Spirit of the Lord be a companion to you like it was with Jesus Christ. So my assurance is I don't have any condemnation. You know, that my remedy to my shortcomings is the Spirit of the Lord. Number three is you're a child of God. What should we say to these things? I'm a child of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by which we cry out, Abba, Father. And the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. We're not just saved from something. We are saved to a new relationship with God, adopted into God's family. One time we were slaves to sin and wrath, you know, but now we're the children of God. John 1 and 12 says this, to as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the children of God, even to them that believe on his name. As a child, you have protection. As a child of God, you have provision. And as a child of God, you have prominence. Revelations chapter 1 says that he has made us kings and priests to God. 1 John chapter 3 verse 1 Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Sonship is an amazing thing. Being a child of God is, you know, is powerful and and it, it gives you some rights that no one else has. He promises to protect. He promises to supply. 
and he guarantees acceptance into his presence. James chapter 4 says, every time you draw near to God, he draws near to you. What a great privilege it is to be a child of God this morning. There's a song entitled, I Have a Father. Let me read just a little bit to you today. I might not be able to tell the wind when to blow or the stars to shine at my command, but there is one consolation I'm happy to know. I have a father who can. I may not be able to tell the sea when to stop before she rolls across the sand, but there is one consolation I'm happy to know. I have a father who can. A father who always understands, and he'll always be there to lend a helping hand. No matter the situation that this world may bring, if on his word and on his word I stand, I have a father who can. Bam. Truth number four is that you have a glorious future. What shall we say to these things? Paul wrote and said, I consider that the sufferings of this life are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed. A glorious future. Present future and a future. Glory is ours Eye has not seen and ear has not heard, neither in the heart of the man the things that God has prepared for them who love him. For our light affliction is but for a moment. It's working for us a far more than eternal weight of glory. You've got a future that's Glorious. Truth number five. What shall we say to these things? You are not alone. All found in Romans chapter eight. You are not alone. Likewise, the spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For if we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the spirit makes intercession for us groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows the mind of the spirit is because he makes intercession for us according to the will of of God. He's given us his spirit to assist us and, and to help us. So what shall we say to these things? John chapter 14, I will pray the Father, and he'll give you another helper. He may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth, I mean, that is a mouthful right there. In the midst of all the lies and all the, you know, deceptions and what's right and what's wrong. You have a inside guidance system. It says you, the world can't receive him. This is children of God. I won't leave you an orphan. I won't leave you an orphan. So you're, you're not condemned. And you're not alone. 
Truth number six is you'll never be a victim. You'll never be a victim. And we know, verse 28, that all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. Woo! Whatever happens, our will happened. There is a God that's controlling and orchestrating that the end result turns out good. This God can use the worst possible circumstances, the tragedies in our lives for the greater, the greater good. He knows what he's doing. He has the power. And he doesn't just have the power, he exercises the power to take what the devil intended for evil and work it out for good in the life of a Christian. And we need to find comfort in that truth. The story of Joseph is so, you know, clear with regard to that. We need to take courage with regard to that. So you are not only not alone, and you are not a victim, but you have the victory. You have the victory. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. All because God is for us. Who can be against us? The story of David and Goliath is a picture of a man who understood that God was for him. And it emboldened him in, you know, an hour of crisis to go ahead and be the hand of deliverance for the Lord in that day. David was able to defeat Goliath because he understood God was for us. God is for us. Who can challenge the Almighty? Who can challenge the Almighty? Isaiah 54, 17, no weapon formed against thee shall prosper. It will not prosper. Every tongue that rises against you in judgment shall, you shall condemn. That tongue is the one that's going to have the judgment. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Five questions. What shall we say to these things? Who can be against us? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Who is he that condemns? And who shall separate us from the love of God? Truth number eight is 
you shall never be separated from the love of God. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels or principalities, powers nor things present nor things to come, heights, depth, anything created shall be able to separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. We are bound to him by his loving, gracious, patient, unchanging, eternal, indestructible love of God. It is a love that is maintained by God himself. God maintains that love. In this lifetime, the lifetime to come. Because you are a child of God, you will never be separated from the love of God. The simple song, Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, and they are weak, but he is strong. John and the epistles uses the word frequently, little children. I don't think he's talking about age groups. He's talking about, you know what I mean, that 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 that, that element of endearment that God has for us. You're my child. You're my child. You belong. The love of the love of God. This is more than just what you know as the agape love. God loves the world. Agape love is that nature of who God is. But there is a love that's also of God, which is called phileo. Phileo love is responsive love. When there is a response to the agape love, then there is, you know, an introduction and introducing to the Phileo love. Where you respond to God's love and then God responds to your love. It is a beautiful thing. The love of response. As many as I love, I rebuke and I chasten. Not condemnation. You know, but he helps us get it right. So we don't damage ourselves and so we don't destroy our own selves. They who love me, I love. Proverbs 17. So God says there's, there's now we're having a responsive love. 
I loved you, I gave myself for you. But now as his children, we not only have the backup of his agape love that he initiated in Christ Jesus, we have the love that he has based upon relationship. That's the difference between God loving the world, okay, which we have accepted that part of God's loving the world, and now all of a sudden God has went ahead and invited us in, and now we have a love of a father and of relationship. Phileo love is not human. It is compatible and workable with human. Because God has to have phileo love in order for there to be phileo love. (coughs) There can't be anything outside of God. God is, does not, is not emotional, but he does have emotion. So we'll never be outside of that love of relationship. Peter. Jesus is talking with Peter. Peter, do you love me? The word is Agape. Peter says, I do. Actually, Peter says, you know, I phileo you. He says it again. Peter, same response. God says it the third time. Peter, do you love me? And shows you that Peter really did not understand or distinguish between the agape love and the phileo love. Because Peter didn't say, yes, I do. Peter said, you know, well, hello, How many times do I have to tell you I love you? And Jesus actually switched the words from agape to phileo. Personal relationship with the Lord. And so then he says, you know, nothing shall separate you from the love of God. God. Come on now, church. I know some of you are doubting it. The world is going to go to hell without receiving Jesus Christ loved by God's agape love. But there is no child of God that's going to hell because they have entered into the relational love which is the love of response. What shall we say to these things? Musicians come. We, I got to try to close early enough. What shall we say to these things? What is your conclusion? Paul says, you have no adversary that can overcome you. There is no limit to what God can do for us. What do you say? Who can be against you? 
That's the question. Based upon this, because God is for you, who can be against you? What's he saying? He's saying salvation is not fragile. It's not fragile. It isn't just one little element that can blow it away because it's backed up by the powerful, positive, keeping power of God. He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? God has invested. On your behalf, his own son, to secure your confidence in his salvation and in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So the evidence is there that he did not spare. He literally, it means he did not hold anything back. He handed him over to custody. He goes to the extreme for you. He said he'll freely give us all things. Salvation isn't only about delivering us church from a deserved sentence that we from a sentence we actually deserved it's about showing us the blessings that he has in store for us forever who's going to bring a charge against you Verse 33, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. He says, God the Father won't. No, he's the one who justifies and declares you you righteous. He says, Jesus Christ is not going to do it. Because he's the one who died for us and was raised. Is interceding for us. He's on our side. Man. John chapter, first John chapter two says we got an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ the the righteous. And did you know that Satan is not even mentioned? He cannot bring an accusation before the courts of heaven any longer because he's been kicked out. The only place that he brings accusation is in our own mind and in our own world, in our own conscience, in our own daily activity. He's the first one to step up to the plate and say, ha-ha, you did it again. But the Father didn't, and nor did Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit is standing alongside of you to go ahead and say, I'm going to help you along. 
He says, we can say to these things that there's no one to accuse you. He says, who is he condemns? Stand with me this morning. There's no pending judgment for your sin. No one to accuse. Case dismissed. No charge will stick. I mean, church, whoa. Paul wants us to come away confident. Who shall separate us from the love of God? He says God love reaches beyond our circumstances. You don't have to worry about the war zone that you're living in. None of those things, he said, can drive a wedge between God's love for you. Now, how you respond and how you're doing with, with your love for God, you know what I mean? That's, that's room for improvement. Then he goes on to say that we're more than conquerors. We're more than conquerors. God wants you to be victorious this morning. He doesn't want you to be victorious in your own self. He wants you to be victorious in the truth and the life and the power that's in Jesus Christ. Paul writes to the believers that were struggling with assurance. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe with him would not perish. The word perish, of course, is not just some eternal damnation. That is the ultimate thing. But that your life would not have a perishing dominance in it, but that your life and my life would have a victory side to it. In the midst, in the spite, in spite of, no matter what occurs, said, you are not a victim. As Joel Osteen always says, you are a victor. And whether you like it or not, that's what Romans chapter 8 says that you are. Father, as we go this morning, I'm asking that the Holy Spirit, who you sent to help us, will help us with these truths so that we know who we are in Christ, what we have in Christ, and who we serve in Christ. Bring assurance. God, in its full dimension and greater way into the lives of your children for confidence in what you have done, who they are, and the position you have placed them in. In Jesus' name. And all the people said, amen. Go with God and he'll go with you.